0: Hi everybody, Sean Hathaway here. This is my podcast, Breakaway. It's Friday. I'm psyched. Alright, what are we going to talk about today? Woo! We got a lot to talk about. And here we go. Okay, well how do we not talk about impeachment? President of the United States just got impeached again, second time. I don't think anybody's surprised. In, In fact, I can't even remember the first time why he even got impeached. You just I mean, why not impeach the guy three times? So, but you know what? He went out, he burned the village. He burned the Republican Party on his way out. He burned, and the craziest part is he's burning his village. I don't even think he realized that how bad this is going to be for, for him. This is going to be bad. Okay, first, the, the Republicans, he, first himself. He could have been the President of the United States again. No problem. All he had to do was just adapt somewhat of a reasonable stance, tweet a little bit less, be a little less crazy. He screwed that up. And then he completely uh, gave away the Senate seats, but in the Senate runoff in Georgia, did that. All he had to do to win Georgia or help the Republicans win those two Senate seats, which they both won by way less than a percentage, was simply concede the election. Dude, concede the election like a month before or just a week before that, 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 that runoff. And actually, everything would have been fine. We would had no storming at the Capitol, probably some protests here and there, but whatever. He could have conceded, gone away peacefully, kept his brand, but instead he created chaos, lost the Senate, stormed the Capitol building. Now everybody is distancing, distancing themselves from him and his brand. So what does this mean? Well, it means it's going to be very hard for him to make money in the future because what one of the most prominent ones was PGA basically said, you know, Trump obviously owns a bunch of golf courses, has interest in golf courses, major events there. No major events are going to be held at his golf courses anymore. And there's also rumors uh, that members are resigning and trying to get out of their golf memberships. Being associated with Trump is toxic. Okay, so... Even bigger, New York City said they do a bunch of stuff with his hotels and, and, and again, his, his properties there. They said, nope, no more leasing his properties anywhere. We're done. Nobody's going to lease building or office space in any of his buildings anymore. Maybe this stuff will pass, but who knows? I don't know. I sure as hell wouldn't want to be dealing with this myself. This sounds like an absolute nightmare. Even Ivanka Trump, I actually kind of liked her. I thought she was nice. She always, like, put out nice tweets. She always was, um, seemed uh, polite. So did Melania, his, his wife. Um, They're, they're screwed too. They're like being chased out of everywhere they try to try to move her and Jared Kushner. I heard she's changing her last name to Kushner. So this is bad. I mean, not to mention, obviously he's been banned from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Stripe and Square are not processing his payments for, for his websites. Some of his websites are run on Shopify platform. They're not, they're not going to support his websites anymore. This is crazy. Oh, here's another one too, the banks. I read or heard somehow they're not they're saying they're not going to lend to him. Now, that's one I kind of doubt cuz I mean, come on. These guys aren't up for the money. They can make loans and not and not disclose who they're loaning money to. So, at the end of the day, if you pay a high enough interest rate, somebody's going to loan you money. But yeah, the other thing that that I find somewhat so this is some people will say this is the cancel culture and and that and you know I don't know if this is really cancel culture. I think people just don't like Trump, and uh, if they don't like you, they don't have to do business with you. It's pretty pretty simple. Um, but one thing that I do find somewhat scary that I think we need to keep our eye on is this 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 concept called the Lincoln Project, and they are trying to, ident- I think their goal generally is to identify everybody who's worked in the Trump administration. So that could be a very high-level cabinet official, like Mike Pompeo, who's Secretary of State, or you know Steve Mnuchin, who's uh, Secretary of Treasury, or uh, just somebody way down lower level, even just a staff level and basically getting a list of those names and saying nobody should ever hire them again for work. Now, I think that's a little extreme. I think that's getting us into, oh boy, you know, like some countries where they like to separate out um, certain types of people. I think back um, Russia, Nazi Germany, uh, Uyghurs in China. I think the examples are long and, and uh, unfortunately, Always end badly for, in, in history. So, I don't think that's a good idea. Could also make an argument if you were working in the Trump administration, maybe it was for noble causes. Maybe you were like, what are we, was everybody in the, in his administration supposed to resign? I mean, damn, if I was offered a job as se- Treasury Secretary or uh, Secretary of the Treasury in the Trump administration, I would have taken it. There's no way they're going to offer that to me, but I mean, I, I would have taken it and probably would have just tried to do my best. So, not for. The Lincoln Project. We need to watch out for that kind of stuff. All right, Parler for a second here. So they were the up-and-coming competition to Twitter, largely kind of backed by right-leaning people and investors, meaning politically right-leaning. Um, however, not everybody on the app was right. I mean, right-leaning, that is. But it was kind of a supposed to be a counterbalance to Twitter, which, which was starting to feel very left-leaning. Um, But they have been now basically canceled by the big tech companies working basically in tandem. And I don't know if I really want to argue whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision, but it was a very precedent setting and somewhat of a scary decision. Because without going into the whys, Apple basically deleted them from their app store. And then Google deleted them from the Android app store. So now you basically can't get them on any phone. And then they were using Amazon Web Services, which means they're they're cloud-based storage and processing. And Amazon said, no, can't use us anymore. And then you had payment processors, like, um, basically say, we're not going to support you. And then all of a sudden, if you think about it, when you're starting a company now, you've got this whole myriad list of vendors that you use to... Support the infrastructure, the software, and tech infrastructure, and these companies can just shut you down, and they did, and it's going to be very difficult for them to come back online. They they probably will, but it's going to be hard. So, I think that's a little scary, um. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. In the spirit of trying to invest in companies and that kind of thing, Signal and Telegram um, are kind of uninvestable. They're open. Uh, source companies that, that I couldn't figure out a way to invest in them right now. Um, some people did, did go buy this company called Signal um, Signal Device and the the stock price is actually still double what it used to be. It used to be $6 and it's trained at 12 At one point I went up with $40 and then tanked back down to like 16 and 12 because everybody bought it by accident, which is the same thing that happened at Zoom. Everybody piled into a company called Zoom. Uh, their Twitter or excuse me, they're um, looking at a pronoun. Zoom Video is ZM, but there's a company that's Z-O-O-M. So I was looking at this company that went public today, Affirm. Interesting company. I actually ended up spending a couple hours reading about them. They're S1. Do you know what an S1 is? Where do they come up with these things? That's the technical terminology for a document that the SEC requires new companies to submit. It basically describes your entire company in a... there's a lot of legalese in there too, but their goal is to kind of give a plain English description of what the company does, how it makes money, what the risks to the business are, and then your financial statements um, and all that kind of stuff. So kind of looking at a firm, they are a fintech company, basically like a kind of like a credit card company, but credit card companies are financed in, in kind of a a an extension of of a bank if you will every credit card company kind of is connected to a bank if you will this company is really extending you credit on their own terms and they've got ways they finance that and they're basically saying hey if you want to buy something you can buy it in installments you can buy it over six months over three months their whole goal is to be completely transparent they talk about delivering honest financial products that improve lives they talk about being good at tech and, and just being good people, like a good company, no hidden fees, no late fees charged um, ever, is their goal. And oh, I should have mentioned that they are um, founded by the um, I'm blanking on his name right now. He he founded um, uh, PayPal along with Peter Thiel and uh, Elon Musk. Uh, his name's Max Le- Levkin, Levchin or Levkin. I think it's Levkin. Anyhow, so really uh, smart money behind this company. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep following them closely. I mean, they came out with a $30 billion valuation today, which is a lot. Um, their last quarter revenue was $175 million, which is kind of like a $700 million runway run rate. But they're growing incredibly fast. And they have kind of built up this technology from the ground up. They're a technology company. They're looking for the best interests of people in mind. I think that's what millennials like and want. So I'm not, I'm not saying go buy a firm, but I'm thinking this is a company that you're going to want to definitely keep your keep your eyes on. Um, at, but I, I will say though, at the end of the day, they're just kind of increase. I mean, they even mentioned themselves at, at one point. I was watching their investor video that that the there's a trillion dollars of credit card debt in the US approximately, and and they're kind of adding to that. They're not a credit card, but they're just saying, hey, go buy this and stretch out the payments over a longer term, we're gonna help you finance it, we're gonna be super transparent with the fees and we're your friend. But at the end of the day, they are taking on credit risk and they're just stretching American spending. So I think that they're gonna pick up a lot of business, but I also think they've got a lot of credit risk. The final thing to mention on them is, and maybe it's really important, I'm just not familiar with what other companies have this technology, but they're trying to kind of get rid of the whole FICO score thing. You know, when you go buy a car, and, and the founder actually mentions this example of buying, a, he just sold, real funny story, he just sold PayPal for tens of millions of dollars, okay? And then he goes to buy a car, and they run his FICO score, and I guess he didn't want to pay cash, he was like, I'll take a loan on, on it. And, and they run his FICO score and say oh you don't qualify okay great well he's worth the huh anyway so the point is they're gonna use stuff like social media Facebook LinkedIn your job history your your, your payment history you know real data to, to, to assess and try to kind of make these FICO companies obsolete and what, would, what I think would could be cool is if they could license that technology and get um, you know mass adoption of it and I guess that I think that could drive a ton of revenue okay so let's talk about the streaming wars. If you listen to my podcast at all, you know that I can't not have a podcast without talking about the streaming wars. So I'm just going to keep this conceptual for a second here, but right now you got to think about who's out there. The biggest dominant player right now for paid subscriptions is Netflix. Okay. And then that's probably followed now by Disney, then Amazon prime, and then it kind of gets arguable from there. HBO Max, and I'm talking about global footprint, by the way. So Amazon Prime, and when I say Disney, I'm talking about Hulu and ESPN. Plus. HBO Max, Now you've got CBS All Access, is running to Paramount, Plus, uh, NBC, and, and Peacock. You now Discovery Plus came out, and I'm sure there's others that I'm missing, and, and there will be more. Stars. Nobody's going to subscribe to all these, but Netflix. I I think Netflix, Disney, and Amazon will be around forever. And then I think what we're going to see is consolidation down below. Like, why wouldn't Peacock and uh, HBO Max combine? That'd be a hell of a library. By the way, I feel like Disney should have bought Viacom, CBS, and and, hence CBS All Access and Paramount. They could have bought them for like, I don't know, probably $40 billion um, earlier this year. So I think that was a miss. Maybe they'll still do it. I know Netflix doesn't like to acquire, but here's the thing. Okay, so what's my point? Netflix stock is going to struggle, unfortunately, for a year or two, potentially. Barring a big global Game of Thrones breakout or entrance into China or something that I'm not seeing, I think they're going to struggle. And I, think, and I think what's happened is, is one of the moats, and I hate saying the word moat because it sounds quaint. And, and odd. You should just have such a great business, you, you go ahead and you don't need to build moats. But um, they sound defensive. If you're innovating fast enough, why do you need to be so defensive? Um, and I think I'm stealing some of the words from Elon Musk, by the way, on that. So anyways, but one of, one of Netflix's natural defenses was all of these legacy media companies would have to cannibalize their previous business. Businesses, which is advertising on cable, right? Because you can't have something free on TV and then make somebody pay for it. They're never going to go pay for it. They can get it for free. But if you get rid of the free stuff, they lose all their advertising. So you're cannibalizing your, own, your old business to build the streaming business. But what happened in Disney stock price? This should be a case study in all business schools. Their stock price doubled. Their stock price doubled and reached an all-time high around $180. And their businesses are tanking. Their parks are fundamentally closed because of the pandemic. Movies have not been in theaters for eight, nine months. Not sure when they're going to go back to theaters. They're not you know, cruising on their cruise ships. This is a terrible year for sports. You know, Think ESPN, ABC properties. But then they launched Disney, the streaming app, and they've got tons of customers, hundreds of millions. No, sorry, not hundreds of millions, but um, over 100 million. And granted, they're not all paid, and it's a much lower ARPU, and ARPU stands for average revenue per user. But still, they made a hell of a hell of a hell of a bang in their first year, if you will. They've only really been out for a year, and investors in the stock market rewarded them with the highest stock price of all time. So this is a signal to other companies to go bet big on streaming. And the reason they wouldn't do it beforehand is not just cannibalizing your own your business, but it's 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 incentives to management. If you're the CEO and you have your compensation tied and derived from, you know, stock price, market share, revenue driver, revenue growth, that kind of thing, particularly revenue and, and profitability growth, and then you say, oh, I'm gonna go tank the business for the next three years while I build out streaming in the future, you're not gonna do that. It's just not in their incentive. But now they can go back to their boards, realign their incentive packages and say, look, this, this is what the street wants, we're going we're to do this, we're going to lose a ton of money doing it in the short term, but we'll win in the long run. Now the fact is, they're not all going to win in the long run. Some of these companies are going under. But that is going to hurt Netflix's stock price for a while because money will be allocated to these other companies. They will show, these companies will show fast growth. You know, the street will be like, yay, they're doing so good. And they'll reward them. They'll say, "Oh, Netflix is growing so slowly." What'll happen though? And I think we'll see this with Disney. Is they're going to hit kind of a? They're going to their, their growth is going to slow. The curve is going to flatten the growth curve a little bit because a lot of these memberships are free from Verizon or AT and or they're packaged into these other deals. And when people actually have to start writing a check or charging their credit card on a monthly basis, I think we're going to see subscription growth slow. Nevertheless, I do think Disney will be around a long time. I think Netflix will be around a long time. I think Amazon Prime will be around a long time. But I think we may see a stagnation in the share price, which upsets me because I own a lot of the shares. But hey, just being honest, that's my job here. I don't even have to be honest with myself. Okay. Final tidbits here. Hey, you know I can't finish without talking about COVID a little bit. So I'm going to talk about Andrew Cuomo in New York, okay? If you've been following Andrew Cuomo, him and Gavin Newsom, Bill de Blasio, who's the mayor of New York, I mean, these guys have been locked down, iron fist, you listen to me or you go to jail, these are not requests, these are orders, you know, so he has been the lockdown of the lockdowns, okay, so now he tweets, and I had to pull up this tweet, this guy tweets a lot, by the way, I just pulled up... It took me forever to scroll down and find this thing. So he says, We simply, this is four days ago, we simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We'll have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy. But we must do it smartly and safely. Okay, dude. Why weren't you saying this like eight, nine months ago? Schools are closed. You know, I'll tell you what's going on. So, also, in in there was a New York Times article today that New York is going to lose billions of dollars. They're going to lose billions and all sorts for all sorts of reasons. But they're going to lose $2.5 it's estimated in tax revenue because everybody's bailing out of out of New York. Commercial real estate people are bailing out because I don't need to rent space from you, and they've basically. Uh, people, residential real estate people are moving out of New York. In fact, a ton of people are moving to to Florida. In fact, I heard read, you can go check yourself if it's true, that Goldman Sachs and Spotify, Spotify's US headquarters, because they're a Swedish company, are relocating to Florida. So I think they're finally these New York people, and I think it's happening in California too, they're saying, you know, with, with, with Tesla and Oracle and other companies in California moving to Texas, they're like, you know what? We don't have to live in this cold, crowded, New York gulag. You know, shut down fever. So anyway, so uh, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago is saying, open up, she's a mayor of Chicago, she's saying, open up all the restaurants, open up bars. Turns out, she says that people are having parties and getting together in their own houses and spreading COVID, and we can better control it if we let if we let these people go out and socialize in public. Omg, no kidding! Wow. Now I'm not that surprised. I think they can kind of ease up a little bit. Democrats run run the um, are running the government now, all branches, well except the judicial, but that'll probably change too. So. Now they can. Democratic leadership can kind of ease the lockdown restrictions. So we got that going on. Oh, and by the way, Stanford just came out with a study that is hitting all the presses. I'm sure you'll see it. I've seen it all over Twitter, and I've seen it um, now posted in some of um, um, what do you call it? Media outlets that lockdowns haven't statistically been proven to make any difference and they, they did that study in 10 different countries. It was a peer-reviewed research paper done by like Stanford professors and epidemiologists, specialists, and all sorts of the really smart people. So we got that too. All right, I'm gonna sign off, and I'm gonna go have a great weekend. I'm gonna go for a bike ride, maybe play some golf, work on my motorcycle, uh, try to find the next great thing to watch as a family. We just finished Cobra Kai. Kind of bummed about that. If you have any recommendations for great uh, family shows to watch, let me know. My kids are 11 and 13. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, that's it. My wife said to mention books I'm reading. I'm reading Green Lights by uh, Matthew McConaughey. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I'd give it a seven. So it's not a hard recommend, but uh, I have seen other people like just hard recommend it. So um, check it out. All right. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Oh, and email me at sean at hathawayfinancial.com. Questions if you want to be a guest, if you have guest ideas uh, or topics I should talk about. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.